You're listening to the High Power Archery Podcast. I'm your host, Angel Garcia, a USA Archery Certified Coach, inviting you to join us each week as we discuss various topics in the world of archery. Our goal in creating this podcast is to answer questions and provide insight, all with the intention of helping others enjoy the sport that has given so much to us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and send in your questions. We're always happy to hear from our listeners. Now on to the show. Hello all, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to cover a topic that is talked about in secret. Even on online forums, nobody really wants to get into it because they're all afraid it's going to happen to them. We're talking about the infamous target panic. Now, whether you're a new archer, a world champion... It doesn't make a difference. Each and every archer goes through a phase where target panic just drives them nuts. And if you can overcome it, you'll do fine. The idea being that you have to overcome it. So how do you do that? Well, if you look through forums and, you know, YouTube, you know how I feel about YouTube, You'll find a million different answers on what target panic is and how to get around it. What we're going to do today is we're going to describe some of the symptoms to know if you're experiencing it. Notice I said experiencing and not suffering from it. If you're experiencing target panic and different ways that you can work on solving it for yourself. As with all things, it's hard to just try to fix something on your own usually you don't notice what's going on in your own okay so people work with a coach like me and when another person is looking at you shoot you can see it right away if you don't have that opportunity to have someone else coaching you what you can do is you can record yourself while you're shooting and then look at that that video now you're adding another set of eyes that you that you can see through that camera's eyes what you're doing and there's certain things you're going to see that are very indicative that you are experiencing target panic so let's just start off from from the beginning what is target panic well target panic is pretty simple and what it boils down to is when you get on to the target some people have what they call drive-by target panic the minute that they get on the on the bullseye they punch the trigger Um, And in the drive-by cases, if they're even moving fast through the target, the minute that they think they come into it, they just bang on that trigger. That sort of thing happens. Another thing that happens is sometimes you'll find that you can't hold the pin in the target, and that's normal for a pin to float. People have to understand. Very, very few people have the ability to hold a pin in the middle of the target for an extended period of time. It's always going to move. So the first thing I tell people is accept the float. The second thing is when you're having a problem like this, you have to look at it constructively as to how you're going to deal with it. Am I going to go ahead and just give up shooting? No, of course not. You should never give up anything that you want to do. When it comes to this, 
the whole reason I did this podcast is because I was working with a relatively new shooter yesterday who I saw while I was at the range. And from afar, I could see 100% what was going on with the shooting. And in the process of the shooting, I could actually see their arm as they're holding back at full anchor. And they fire. Their hand, their arm doesn't go anywhere. It's just left there. And then the other thing I saw was as they were aiming on their target, they would get to where that where that bullseye was and it was like a a sweep as they went by the minutes they crossed it boom shot went off and that would take two seconds sometimes seven seconds other times 20 seconds other times so it was very very random so the first thing that that you should look for to know if you've got an issue is is your shot routine consistent well how do i know if it's consistent does it take around the same amount of time to shoot every single time? If you're working with a coach, they, they can just time it. Most of my shooters average between three and five seconds and the shot goes off. I have other shooters who concentrate a lot in their process and might be there for 12 seconds or 13 seconds. Just remember that when you're holding that long, your form and your shot will start to break down. I'm not saying go ahead and just, you know, pick it and rip it. But what I'm saying is you have to build into a shot routine that works for you, but at the same time, it's not having you stay there to the point where you just fall apart. So when I'm seeing somebody like that with an inconsistent timing on, on, their, on their shot, something is up right away. Then you start to look at other things like, is their arm following through? In this case, was not. When they drop down onto the target, are they coming down from the top? Are they coming down from the bottom? Are they drawing straight at it? And you'll see that... A lot of these people, and if it happens to you, it happens. They don't, like, either you come down to the target, some people come up into the target, which I never recommend. Um, They'll come from the left, they'll come from the right, all kinds of things like that, because mentally they're trying to compensate for it, but it doesn't work. And what it all boils down to is them being afraid of the explosion that's going to happen when the shot goes off. Now, other people have used this comparison before. Um, so, let's just put it to you like this. Some people use a comparison of a flash grenade. I'm going to use a slightly different one. Let's just say that you're holding a jar in your hand, and it's full of bees. They're all in there. Let's not get into how they got in there. You have a jar full of bees, and it's got a tight cover on it, and you know it's Okay. You're willing to hold that jar full of bees, okay? Because they're no danger to you. They're stuck in the jar. They're not going to come out. They're not going to sting you. You're holding your bow up, okay? At rest, it's no danger to you. I can hold that bow up all day long. Now, you unscrew that jar cover just to the point where it's ready to open. Now you're like, I'm still comfortable. They're not coming out. It's all good. What happens if all of a sudden you unscrew the top and they fly, they start to come out? You're going to drop that thing really quick. Let me put that comparison with the bow. So, at you know, when you're just holding the bow up with your arm, you're not drawing yet. Your body's not afraid of anything. 
Now you draw back to anchor. Now your body's like, well, the, it's in comparison to the jar being almost open. Like there's a potential for something to happen, but not yet. So I'm still good. Now, my mind decides I'm going to fire the shot. That canopy is just opened up. Your body's expecting an adverse reaction for when that shot goes off. So it's doing one of two things. It's anticipating when it's going to get through there. So it wants to get rid of the shot as soon as possible. The minute it sees that target, it just wants to execute the shot, get it out of there. So it's timing it, which is bad. Or it's so afraid of that thing getting in there, that that explosion of the bow going off happening, that it won't let you stay on the target. That's why you get those crazy zigzags on there when you have a target panic case. So I think now we've identified what to look for when you have target panic. Now, how do we get through it? Well, the first thing you're going to hear from people is, you should blank bail. Okay, you can blank bail. For those of you that don't know what blank bailing is, it involves standing maybe five yards, five feet, doesn't make a difference, away from a target bail, not necessarily with a target face on there, and just executing your shot. That can help you get used to the explosion of the bow, but it doesn't do anything to relieve the target panic, in my opinion, because I've seen it too many times. What it will do, okay, is give you the confidence like, yeah, I know what this is, I'm all good. And then the minute that you get into a real shooting situation where now there's a target there, you start to freak out again. Because like, oh boy, this is going to happen. I don't want to lose an arrow. Lots of things start going through your head. So that's why I'm not a fan of blank bailing. Other coaches will tell you also, well, you can put a target on the, on the bail, but don't put your sight on. Again, it's not putting you in a realistic situation. And when the realistic situation comes up, you're back to square one. It doesn't help, doesn't help at all. So what do you do? Well, over the years, I've come up with a way that I that I teach students to get over this. Now, mind you, it's different for everyone. However, generally, this technique does work. It's not my secret sauce. It's used by a lot of different people. I actually don't know who was the first person to come up with it. All I know is that over the years, I picked up on some of these things, and I put them into play when working with, with students. The first thing I tell people is, okay, you know that a shot is going to go off and your body's afraid of the explosion. What do you have to do to stop that? Well, the, the typical line you can hear from somebody is, that shot has to be a surprise. No, not necessarily true. What has to be is that you have to be able to control the shot and this is why Joel Turner at Shot IQ, he has this online course that you can take, and he has in-person courses you can take with him, and he will show you how this works, and I subscribe to a good bit of what he teaches, and I have for a long time, um, but again, the, the idea of a total surprise doesn't work, in my opinion, and the idea of a controlled shot like he preaches, does work with some 
modification to it. So how do you do it? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to build up your self-confidence at shooting. Okay. How do you do that? Start at a short distance. Okay. If you, from right out the bat, try to shoot at 50 yards, this is not going to happen. There is too much going on in your head for you to be able to accept all of this. So what's going to happen is your mind is afraid, I'm going to lose an arrow, I'm going to miss the target entirely. That's working against you. You're now like, it's so far away, I can't concentrate on keeping it on the spot. That's going to work on you. So what I tell people is, bring it in closer. Start at five yards. Okay, and start not with a little target. This is something that George Riles talks about. He's very right about it. Don't start with a tiny target. Some people say, oh, well, if I shoot at a tiny target, when I shoot at a big one, it'll be a cake. No, you got to shoot to make it comforting for you first. So start with a very big target. So at five yards, I might set up a bag with a feet of 50 meter target on it. It's a gigantic yellow circle they're shooting at. Shoot at that. And as you're executing your shot, you'll find that you're able to get in there. You're not jumping all around because like, look at the size of this thing. Anybody can hit it. That's the idea. You're building up self-confidence for it. You come to full, full draw. And again, this is outside of regular form and execution. We're talking about the mental part of this and what you're going to do. But you draw back on it. You... You get ready and you start pulling through the shot, always knowing that you can stop your shot if you have to. And that's where I take from Joel Turner from this. You must be able to stop that shot. If you don't have control, then you never had control in the first place. And when it goes off, it could go off completely at the wrong time. But you have to make the decision in your head, I'm going to execute this shot now and pull through, always knowing that say if a sudden wind gust came up, I could stop it. And the problem is some people draw back and they try to stop and they can't. Once they draw that bow, that's it. It's over. They're going to let it rip. So you have to know that you can stop. So letdown drills are a big thing. And letdown drills you can do at home in a safe place um, against a safe backdrop. Draw the bow with an arrow in it always. Accidents do happen, people. Point it at a target. Draw the bow back. Hold on target, let down. Do that 15 to 20 times. You'll start to learn and convince yourself that I can let down. Now apply that to when you're shooting. Draw the bow back. And then you make that subconscious decision that says, I'm going to shoot this shot now and start your shot process. And that's executing proper proper tension. Finger on the trigger, relaxed. Pull, 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 boom, goes off. That doesn't mean that I should be punching a trigger. That doesn't mean that I should be just, you know, going ahead and, and whamming on that button. You'll see people that say, okay, I can't shoot with a trigger. I'm going to go to straight back up, you know, back tension release, which don't have a trigger on them. And they think that that's a cure-all, but they'll figure out real quick it's not. And for years, that was always the, the prescribed cure for target panic. Go to a back tension release. I will tell you that back tension releases are not a cure-all for anything. Because what happens is 
you can punch a back tension release just as easily as you can punch a trigger. So what's the point? When you're firing a back tension release, if you really want to get that shot to go off, you're going to rotate your hand. That sucker's going to go off at the end of the day. It is no different. Again, it has to do... If you're shooting a back tension release, you have to be able to stop the shot. And some people say, well, with a back tension, I can't stop the shot. I have to let it go. No, you can stop the shot, rotate your hand the other way, let down. So I think you put together the first part of this. It's about control. Second thing is you're starting, like I said, from a larger target. And then you're moving that larger target out further. And you're shooting and you'll find that as you move it out, it's easier and easier to hit. You can then switch to a smaller target, move that out, and you'll find that it's going to get much easier because now all of a sudden you're accustomed to doing this. And you're like, well, a 10-inch yellow circle is easy to hit. And before you know it, a 5-inch yellow circle is easy to hit. And when training indoors, what I tell people is, say if you have a basement and you can only shoot 5 yards, no problem. After you've already gotten through the part of where you've used the larger targets and you're able to shoot at them and you've been able to shrink to a regular target, then you can move on to a very tiny target and there's scale targets available. I've talked about them on the podcast. I actually have a couple of them that if you find my podcast about indoor training, um, you can download some scale targets that I've put up there. There are scale targets you can shoot at that simulate what that target view would look like at 20 yards, at 50 yards, but when you're standing at only 5 yards or 10 yards. And that simulates it, and then that helps you. Again, all trying to simulate the shot, and the goal of it is to make you more comfortable. So now we've established, get comfortable with your shot. Be able to control your shot. The other thing that happens with it is you have to be able to create repetition in what you're doing. Remember what I said at the beginning of the podcast. You have to have a repetitive timing on your shot. So it shouldn't be 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 5 seconds, 2 seconds, that sort of thing. You have to have a regular shot timing. And if you can't get the shot to go off, let down. There, People, I will say this a million times, there is no law against letting down a shot. Do it. If you're competing and you're shooting on the line, say you've got five hours to shoot and you've got two minutes to shoot them. Completely doable. Some people are like, oh my God, five hours and five hours and two minutes? I can't do that. Yes, you can. And you can let down as much as you want. The, and you don't have to rush your shot. It takes practice. But the more comfortable you are in letting down your shot, the easier it'll be. Why do I say that? Because most people's fear in all of this is, if I let down my shot, I won't be able to get another shot off in time. Yes, you will. And if you ha- keep that in the back of your head that you're never going to be able to, to get another shot off in time, it's never going to work for you until you try it. So when in doubt, let it down. Also, what I try to tell people, when you're trying to focus something on a spot, there is a human tendency to want to see what is being hidden by the pin. It's weird because your pin is what's helping you aim at the target, but people are not convinced about it, and they want to peek around. The action of peeking around 
looking around the target will throw you off. It's also another symptom of target panic. And the way you get around that is once your, your scope or your pin comes to fall on the target, lock your eye there. Yeah, I said it. Lock your eye on the target the minute that that pin crosses the target. What happens is your brain doesn't pick up all the movements from your eye as fast as you think it does. There is a little bit of a delay there. So now you have to trust that you are holding on target. The minute that your eye locked in there, you're going to see the pin floating around in there. It's not going to be a big float, but if you lock your eye in there, it's going to float a little bit. And once it's locked in there, and you say, I'm going to shoot this shot. Now, all you do is you start your shot process. And here we go. All the time burning your eye into the center of the, of the target. Paying less attention to that float, but all the attention to the target. And the, the whole process of trying to hold a pin on a target is what kills most people's shot. And they don't realize it. You have to trust that your eye is locked on there and that your body's going to do what it's supposed to do and bring that thing back. If you trust it, you will find almost 99.9% of the time that arrow winds up there. Now, don't get me wrong. All of this goes in combination with good form. Okay? But the problem that we see is a lot of people's form suffers because, well, they're worried about aiming. Now, if you take the aiming out of it and you're not so weirded out by, oh my God, I got to get it on the target, you can concentrate on your form. Put those two together and you have perfect execution. So that's basically the way that I've worked with people to cure their target panic. Start them with, small, with large targets, move them down to, to smaller ones especially kids, they don't like trying to concentrate on this because not for nothing, if you suffer from target panic and you're seeing all this kind of stuff go on, you're not having a good time. And the one thing I see when kids aren't having a good time is they don't want to do it anymore. So guess what? That works for adults too. If they're not having a good time and it becomes work to get this done, you're going to hate it. You're not going to want to do it. Your body's going to fight it. You name it, it's going to happen. So start off close with a larger target than you intend to shoot, moving that back in progression. That's one thing. Two, work on letdown drills. Work on always keeping a straight line. And also, if you can find a... Um, a shot trainer out there. I'm not talking about a coach. I'm talking about a training device that is more radical as far as its reaction than your bow ever is. That can help you too. What do I mean by that? Well, you'll see a lot of different shot trainers out there. Some of them just pieces of string, that sort of thing. And what they do is they help you. Ex they help you work on form. The type of shot trainer I'm talking about for this is made with bands and probably the most accessible one out of all of them is called the AccuBow. Now, that thing's gone through a couple of revisions since it first came out. 
But the first one I have in my shop, I have one of the originals. Actually, one of my one of my girls has it right now. She's been using that during her quarantine to keep her going. Um, and what it's for is not only to work on your strength and conditioning as you're pulling back this exercise band that's built onto a bow frame. So you work on your strength and conditioning with that, but you can actually release it and fire it. And that thing does two things. One, it makes a loud bang when it goes off. And it has a lot of vibration when it goes off. Well, like we just talked about, why would I want anything like that? It's all about getting used to it. Get used to to that sort of thing and you will numb yourself to it. That's why I say always use it in combination. So if you have the AccuBo and you're practicing your strength and you're practicing your execution, now you're not worrying about an arrow going anywhere, but you're going to see that that explosion doesn't hurt you. It's something abnormal to the body because it's not used to impacts. It doesn't like it. It doesn't like that sudden shock received on the hand when it goes off. But then you go to shoot your regular bow and like, hey, this, this is nothing compared to that thing. And that's what you want. Building up a resistance to it. So it's the same thing, like one thing that Joel Turner teaches, and it's really, really funny to see it, that if you put your hands out and he smacks your hands and he'll tell you to put them out again and he'll smack them again, you know, telling you to draw it back. And he'll tell you to put him out a third time. And we put him out a third time. All he does is blink his eyes at you. And already you're pulling back your hands. So that proves that your body can learn to be scared of things. For me, using something like an Acubo, which is like really, really loud when it goes off, it does the same. If you're all of a sudden, you're, you're firing this thing and it makes a ton of noise and a lot of vibration, after a while... You're like, the opposite happens. You just don't care. You're like, hey, I'm used to it. It doesn't hurt me. It's all good. Same thing. So now you become resistant to it. And now your body doesn't care anymore. So your mind and your body are not working against you. Now, the Acubo is kind of expensive. I think it goes for like $140 or $150. Um, if, if you don't want to buy an Acubo, like we always try to do, we try to give you alternatives. An alternative to an AccuBow would be to go to the drugstore or to go on Amazon and find what they call therapeutic bands. Now, those therapeutic bands, they come in many different strengths. So what I suggest is get a moderate strength one and get a high strength one. The higher the strength, they're usually darker. So they have one that's like a black rubberized uh, one that you'll see. And if you tie that in a circle and a knot, really short, and tie a piece of loop to it, or just pull it back with your fingers, doesn't make a difference. You can practice your draw, strength training, but you can also practice releasing it, because that thing will also have an impact and an explosion when it goes off. And no, it's not going to slap you on the side of the arm or anything like that. It's If you fire it properly, it's just going to go straight, and you're going to hold it in your hand. And again, you'll become accustomed to the noise, you'll become accustomed to the vibration, all of that. So there's a cheaper alternative to do with that. The thing I like about the AccuBow is that it's in the form of a bow. That was the genius when they did it. They made it with the with the Xer bands, those those round rubber bands that they have. 
and that's built into the bow, and you draw it back, and you have the form of a bow. You can even put a sight on it if you wanted to. And you fire and boom. You fire and boom. And it conditions you not to be afraid of that. They do it for strength training and for aiming purposes. I use it to condition people not to be afraid of the shots and also for strength training. But again, if it's not in your budget to buy it, that doesn't lock you out. Just go out and get the extra bands or go out and get strength and training bands that they have, get it in the highest strength they got, tie it into a short loop and do the same thing with that. Tie a D loop onto it if you want so you can practice what you release for it. Again, it's all about making adjustments for things that will help you overcome this sort of ailment. It's not something that you need to go to a psychologist for. The best one I've heard lately is, oh, I need to go to an archery therapist so I can be mentally convinced that I can do this and not have problems with my shot. Are you kidding me? That may work for smoking, whatever, and you'll find it, like, even my dad did that. He went to a, a psychologist, and they did the hypnotism, so he wouldn't smoke anymore. And that lasted a little while, and then he went right back to smoking. My opinion is, if you go to one of these guys who's going to do some kind of, like, relaxation and mental hypnotism therapy for you, and I don't mean to poke fun at them, I, I just don't buy into this, but if you go to one of those guys, yeah, maybe they help you target panic for a little while. Guess what? It's going to come back. And you have to go back to this guy, do a recharge again. And it's like you use aspirin for pain after a while and your body becomes numb to it. It don't work no more. Same deal with that. So I don't buy into all those things. It doesn't have to be that complicated. It can be something really easy to fix. Most of all, like I said, the most important thing is to recognize that you have it. Admit to yourself that you have it. When I teach the hunter safety course, one of the things we teach, it has nothing to do with this, but I'll explain it anyway because it's kind of similar. One of the things we teach is if you get lost in the woods, what do you do? Do you scream to the top of your lungs? No one's going to hear you. Maybe. Uh, best one is on opening day of rifle season, I'm lost. Do I fire five shots in the air? It already sounds like Armageddon out there. I don't think so. Again, something's not going to help. What we teach is stop. And what stop stands for in the hunter safety thing is stop, think, observe, and plan. So you stop. You admit to yourself that you're lost. You think, what do I have to do? You observe your surroundings and you plan for either staying there for an extended period of time and you plan for getting help. This is the same thing with target panic. When you realize that you have it, you must admit to yourself first, I have it. If you're going to run around saying, I never have target, target panic, I can't hit the broad side of a barn, but I don't have target panic. Yeah, you do. You need to admit that you have it. My best way is, Show somebody on video. Video yourself when you're shooting. Or if you have a coach, have them video you. And you see for yourself what you're doing. Now you've got proof positive in your eyes that you have a problem. So you admit to yourself. Then you investigate what you do to cure that. And then you make a change. 
So now I've just created a little quip. In Hunter Safety, we do the stop. In dealing with target panic, we're going to do the aim. Admit, investigate, make a plan for how you're going to deal with it. I bet 12 other people will copy this. I don't care. It's all about helping people. If it means that it can get out there because more people copy that little phrase, care less. Not all about that. But anyway, you see what I'm talking about. You have to realize you have a problem, get help. If you don't have the avail- you know, the accessibility to a coach, video yourself. If you're out there listening to this and you're having problems with target panic and you're not in my area, send me an email message at highpowerarchery.com and I'll get back to you. Send me a video of what you're doing and I can actually tell you what you're doing wrong. I offer this for free to anybody who's listening out there. I'll ask for you for two different angles, one from the back, one from the front. Well, not really from the front, one from the one from the from directly behind you, one from the side of you, so I can see what you're doing from the shooting side and also from a from a linear side from the back. And I'll tell you here, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what's happening. This is what the issue is to try to help you. So we're out there to help you. There are a lot of different people you can go to to try to help you out with this. We're happy as always to get people through these issues. So that's going to be all for this episode. If you have any questions, please forward them to us at highpowerarchery.com. It's highpowerarchery at gmail.com is our email address you can reach us at. You can go to our website. You can submit a message over there. We'll get back to you right away. Um, As always, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. And um, that'll be all for now. Until we meet again, it's, like I said, it's never goodbye. Just till we see you again. Um, Be well and shoot straight. Thanks for listening.